0: Saraswati, Vira, Boravani, who churned Ham Sri Guru, Sri Utah, Padakamalam, Sri Guru, Vaishnavascha, Sri Rupamsa Grijatam, Sahagana, Raghunatam, Vitam, Sam Sajiva, Sad Voytam, Sad Padijana, Sahita, Krishche, Tanyadeva, Sri Radha, Krishna, Padam, Sahagana, Lolita, Sri Vishakam Vitamascha. Om Namo Bhagavate. Vasudevaya Bhagavatam, Canto 4, Chapter 29, talks between Narada and King Pritchin Parishat. We're reading text 5 and 6, and text 6 is on the board. So, how to do this? I guess we'll chant text 6 first, and then I'll go back and do text 5. Hmm?
1: Chant five, but this is six.
0: First chant five, and then but it's a long purport for five ush. Okay. Text five. Buddhin tu prahmadam vijamahami tiyakritam Yamahisa de he smin pumamhute k shabir gunam. Budim. Intelligence. Two. Then pramada. The young woman, paranjani. What does Pramada literally mean? Mada. What does Mada mean? Madness. Pramada. Really mad. Vidyat. One should know. Mama. My. Aham. I. Itti. Thus, yakutam, done by intelligence. Yam, which intelligence. Adistaya, taking shelter of. Dehe, in the body. Asmin, this, puman, the living entity. Bungte, suffers and enjoys. That's interesting translation. Because what does bunte mean? What is bung Enjoys. The says, suffers and enjoys. by the senses, guna, the modes of material nature. Translation and purport by Jin Prabhupada. The great sage Narada continued The word Pramadam, mentioned in this regard, refers to material intelligence or ignorance. That's interesting also. So, bungte means suffers or enjoys, and material intelligence is the same as ignorance. Yeah. Although the word in it, you can see this verse on the board, but the word in the verse is buddhim. That's because it says buddhim to pramadan vidyan. Pramadan vidyan, vidya means knowledge. So, pramadan vidyan would mean. What would pramadhan vidyan mean? Madha means what? Madness. So pramadhan vidyan would mean mad intelligence. mad intelligence, the intelligence of a madman. So buddhim to pramadhan vidyan. So this buddhim, this material buddhi, is pramadhan vidyan. Therefore, Prabhupada in the translation says. The word Pramadan mentioned in this regard refers to material intelligence or ignorance. It is to be understood as such. How is that? When one takes shelter of this kind of intelligence, he identifies himself with the material body, influenced by a material consciousness of I and mine. I and mine. Mama, Mama is mine, aham, I. Aha he begins to enjoy and suffer through his senses. Thus the living entity is entrapped. In material existence, so-called intelligence is actually ignorance. When ignorance is cleared up, it is called buddhi-yoga. In other words, when intelligence is dovetailed with the desires of Krishna, it is called buddhi yoga or bhakti yoga. Therefore in Bhagavad Gita 10.10 Krishna says can we say this together? Bhaji You can see this is a center of Shastrik study. Some cases when I asked that question <laughs> To those who are constantly devoted and worship me with love, I give the understanding by which they can come to me. And why is Prabhupada quoting this verse? Because of what word? Buddhi. Buddhi yoga. Real intelligence means linking with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. When this is done, the Supreme Personality of Godhead from within gives one the real intelligence by which one can return back to home, back to Godhead. Intelligence in the material world is described in this verse as madness, Ramadan. Because in material intelligence, the living entity falsely claims things to be his. He thinks, I am the monarch of all I survey. This is ignorance. Actually, nothing belongs to him. Even the body and the senses do not belong to him, for they are given to him by the grace of the Lord to satisfy his different propensities through the material energy. Nothing actually belongs to the living entity. Actually, there is something that belongs to the living entity. In Bhagavad Gita 15.5, Prabhupada says, one should know what is actually his own and what is not his own. So what belongs to us? Something belongs to us. Yes. Desires, Desires, yes. What someone said here? Freedom, Freedom, our free will. Yes, that belongs to us. Nothing actually belongs to the living entity, but he becomes mad after everything, claiming, this is mine, this is mine, this is mine. (laughs) Prabhupada, so wonderful. You don't understand what is yours? Your free will (laughs) is yours. That's yours. That belongs to you. You can give it to Krishna if you want, but it's yours. Nothing else is yours. That's yours. Uh, who said that? Who said that famous verse? Hmm? This is called illusion. Nothing belongs to the living entity, but he claims that everything belongs to him. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu recommends that this false intelligence be purified. Cheta darpana marjana. Mm. What is a darpana? A mirror. So I'm going to focus on this analogy today. That when the mirror of intelligence is polished, the real activities of the living entity begins. This means that when a person comes to the platform of Krishna consciousness, his real intelligence acts. At that time, he knows that everything belongs to Krishna. And nothing belongs to him. As long as one thinks that everything belongs to him, he's in material consciousness. And when he knows perfectly that everything belongs to Krishna, he's in Krishna consciousness. Okay, I'm going to look at your recite text six. Sakya Indriyagana. Sakya Indriyagana. indriyagana. Jnana Karma Chayakritam. Sakya, female friends, tat, of the senses, vritayaha, engagements, Prana, life air, pancha having five processes, yata, like, uragaha, the serpent, translation for Prabhupada. The five senses that acquire knowledge are all male friends of Puranjani. Puranjani member is the intelligence, the crazy intelligence. The living entity is assisted by these senses in acquiring knowledge and engaging in activity. The The engagements of the senses are known as girlfriends, and the serpent which was described as having five heads, is the life air acting within the five circulatory processes. Krishna Bhai Ruka Hana Nikatasta Maya Tare, Prema Vivarta. Because of his desire to enjoy the material world, the living entity is dressed with the material gross and subtle bodies. Thus, he is given a chance to enjoy the senses. The senses are therefore the instruments for enjoying the material world. Constantly, the senses have been described here as friends. Now, Prabhupada's giving an example of why the senses are friends. Sometimes, because of too much sinful activity, the living entity does not get a material gross body, but hovers on the subtle platform. This is called ghostly life. Because of his not possessing a gross body, he creates a great deal of trouble in his subtle body. Thus, the presence of a ghost is horrible for those who are living in the gross bodies. I understand the Prabhupada is giving this example to show that the senses are the friends, that when you don't have any senses, you're miserable if you're just in a ghostly body. As stated in Bhagavad Gita, 1510, the sthitaṁ vitam pasyanti pasyanti understand how a living entity can quit his body, nor can they understand what sort of body he enjoys under the spell of the modes of nature. But one whose eyes are trained in knowledge can see all this. The living entities are merged into the air of life. Now we're going to give a little scientific explanation. Which acts in different ways for circulation. Anybody know the names of the five airs of life? There's prana, Appa Madhana and Samana and because they are going in different parts of the body going in different directions and because the life air functions in this fivefold way it is compared to the five hooded serpent the soul passes through the kundalini chakra like a serpent crawling on the ground so we always know the kundalini is always compared like that to a serpent which is what Narnini is comparing it to here the light air is compared to uraga, the serpent. Panchavritti is the desire to satisfy the senses, attracted by five sense objects, namely form, taste, sound, smell, and touch. pramadam vidyam manaham kritam shabirguna. Sakaya indriyagana, jnana karma The great sage Narada continued, the word kramadhan mentioned in this regard refers to material intelligence or ignorance. It is to be understood as such. When one takes shelter of this kind of intelligence, he identifies with the material body influenced by the material consciousness of of? I, am. I am mine. He begins to enjoy and suffer through his senses, thus the living entity is entrapped. The five working senses or the five senses that acquire knowledge are all male friends of Paranjani. The living entity is assisted by the senses in acquiring knowledge and engaging in activity. The engagements of the senses are known as girlfriends and the serpent, which was described as having five heads is the life air acting within the five circulatory clusters. So, the intelligence riding on the life air carried by the Kundalini serpent going through the different chakras is compared here to a mirror. We may think our intelligence and our senses are like windows, but they're not. They're like mirrors. We may think we see reality as it is. We do not. We see the world in the mirror of our desires and our intelligence. A very, very, very long time ago, there was a king named Sodas, and if you can't remember his name, you can think about Sawdust. (laughs) King Sawdust, Sawdust. And as a king, he was in the forest, described in the ninth chapter of the ninth canto. He was out in the forest, and he found a rakshasa, cannibal. And to protect his kingdom, he killed the cannibal. But he did not kill the cannibal's brother, who asked for mercy, <laughs> but he was one of those duplicitous people who asked for mercy so that they can do harm later on. So this brother came in disguise and offered himself as a cook to King Sodas. And he cooked when Sodas' guru, Vasista, was visiting, and he took some human flesh and cooked it with the rest of the food, mixed it up with the food, and served it to Vasista. And Vasista, being a great yogi as well as a great devotee, could understand that there was human flesh in the food, and he got very angry, and he cursed sodas. You become a rakshasa. So that's our first example of how we have imperfect senses and intelligence. Vasista thought, oh, this is Sodas is the guilty party. Sodas was innocent. And when the situation was explained to Vasista, he didn't know how to retract his curse. So he did 12 years of penance for having cursed an innocent party. But meanwhile, our poor Sodas it says he looked around and he saw there are living entities everywhere what happened before he was the king and he saw there are living entities for me to protect now he sees there are living entities for me to eat he was the king he was a Vedic king. He wasn't like some European king. <laughs> you know, he was, a, he, he was a protector of the Brahmanas, a worshiper of the Brahmanas, a protector of the living entities. But when he had this mood, he saw a Brahmin couple about to conceive a child, and he went to eat the man. And the wife says, Don't eat my husband! Don't eat my husband! He didn't care. There's a woman asking for protection, there's a Brahmin man, and he ate him. At which point the wife cursed him. You'll never have it, you won't be able to produce children. So the story goes on. And when he was free from the curse, then he no longer saw living entities as eatables. So are living entities there for us to protect or for us to eat? What changes what we see? What is it that changes how we see things? How is it that a religious person can look at the world and say, there must be a God, and an atheist can look at the world and say, there must not be a God, and they're looking at the same world? How is that? How is it that we see things not according to what they are, but according to our mentality. So the materialist sees everything is mine. How absurd everything is mine. And the spiritualist sees everything is Krishna. But they're Krishna's, but they're looking at the same thing. The reality hasn't changed. But what's changed? As the living entity passes in the life there with the kundalini through the different chakras, the Prabha says, what does it say here? All right, the kundalini chakra. That means the chakra at which the kundalini is, is energizing. The kundalini doesn't have its own chakra. So if the living entity is in the mula chakra, the living entity is seeing everything in a very base way, and it goes up through the chakras. If the living entity is in the Anahata chakra, the heart chakra, it's seeing everything in a very compassionate way. If the living entity is in the Agi chakra, it's seeing everything in a very detached way. And all of those are illusion. The living entity is thinking, oh, that's me. That's me. Looking in the mirror of the intelligence, which is influenced by the different chakras. Another way one can think of it, of course, Prabhupada doesn't talk too often about chakras and kundalini, <laughs> is what's described in the 13th chapter of Bhagavad Gita, the different anamoya, pranamoya. So living entity in anamoya, when it looks in the, intelli- the mirror of the intelligence, it sees everything is food. Like that poor king sawdust. He thought everything's food, even a Brahmin is food, he thought. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean literally everything is food, but everything is for my enjoyment. That's anahoyah. Everything is, every living entity, every object is simply meant for my sense pleasure. Whatever I see, whatever I hear, whatever I smell, it's simply for me to take in like some one-celled amoeba that just goes to things and swallows it. And you can see many people, they see the earth, they see other people, they see animals, like that. Correct? Whatever they see, how can I enjoy it? How can I exploit it? Then if the living entity is in pranamoya consciousness, it has a mood that I'm alive and others are alive. In Anamoya, you don't even really know others are alive. you are just kind of you, you, well, you look in the mirror and you see the, of your intelligence and in your madness, in your pramada, you see everything is an object for my enjoyment. In pranamoya, you look in your madness mirror. Maybe you've been to like the like the amusement park, they have these mirrors that are distorted. Everybody has seen that? You look in the mirror, it looks like you're very tall or very fat. or all kind of like weird. So we look in this, when we have this Pramada, booty, when our booty is just Pramada, vidyam, we look in the mirror and we see, oh, there's me and there's everybody else. So in Anamoya, I just see everybody else is for me, everything else is for me, everything is for me. Okay. You don't even have an awareness that others have feelings and needs and desires and personality. and pranamoya, you do, but you see them as friends and enemies and neutral. So you look in this, this intelligence mirror and you go, Oh, that's a friend because they help me get what I want. And that's an enemy because they stop me from getting what I want. And that person doesn't even know who I am. And that's how you organize the world. Therefore, Prabhupada says in Krishna book, chapter 14, the prayers of, of, uh, no, chapter 20, I'm sorry, description of autumn, he says, the materialistic man, worldly affairs become too aggressive. They're always seeing in terms of friends and enemies. Of course, we read about this in the 16th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, the demoniac. You know, this person's my enemy, but I killed him. That doesn't necessarily mean literally murdered him, but I've gotten him out of the way. I've neutralized him. He's no longer going to bother me. And this other enemy, he'll be killed later. So if, if you're thinking like that, if you think everyone is for you, everyone and everything is for your enjoyment, then your mirror is very distorted and dirty and covered and you're, you're, you're flowing in the prana and kundalini in the lower chakras. And if you're starting to think, you know, these are my enemies, and if you see the world that way, who's my friend, who's my enemy, who's with me, who's against me? I mean, frankly, even after coming to Krishna consciousness, one can think like that. One can think, oh, these people, they are opposing my service. These people, they're helping me. These people like me you know, and you can try to defeat them with slokas maybe, instead of (laughs) shastra and shastra (laughs) but this mood that the world is full of friends and enemies is a little higher than manamoya manamoya, you're interested in things like poetry and science that's a little higher, you can understand we're also talking about the modes of nature right? In Tamaguna, all your, the only thing you see in the mirror is everything is here for my sense gratification. In Rajaguya, Rajagun, you're thinking about friends and enemies. The, the epitome of rajaguna is, of course, the Raja, the king. And how is the king thinking? Friends and enemies. In Tamagun, you want to enjoy illegally, in Rajagun, you want to enjoy legally. But in both Tamagun and Rajagun, you're thinking everything is mine, or or everything should be mine. (laughs) Everything everything is supposed to be mine, it's just not mine yet. You come a little higher, to Manamoya, and then you're interested in philosophy, in poetry, in science. And there you're, you see the world as, ah, oh, I am a good person, I am detached, I am not like those low people in the magic. <laughs> <laughs> I am a superior being, I am a scientist. <laughs> and in all of those, you have Pramada Vidyan, you have material, mad, it's mad. Is different ways to enjoy. In each of these, you're thinking, what's well, mama? And in that consciousness, indeed, the indriya are your sakaya. The, the senses are your friends. Because if you want to enjoy the world, whether you're floating in the kundalini on the lower chakras or the middle chakras or the higher chakras, or whether you're in anamoya or pranamaya or manamoya, or whether you're in tamagun, rajagun, Satvagun, however you want to analyze it. Uh, Still, when you look in the mirror, it's dirty and you just see the dirt, but you think you're seeing reality. You don't know you're seeing dirt. You don't know it's a mirror. You think it's a window. You don't think I'm illusioned. You think "This, this is what it is. This is reality. It is like that. Well, the world is aggressive. (laughs) Or the world is for me to exploit. Or the world is a place for me to look at it and and be inspired by poetry and inquisitiveness. And none of that's true. The world isn't for us to do any of those things. Mm. In Krishna book chapter 14, Prayers of Lord Brahma, Srila Prabhupada makes a fascinating statement he says, Maya is only within the mind. Maya is only within the mind. So the living entity, Mama Bamso Jiva Loke Jiva Bhutasanatana, Mana Shastra Nindriyani Prakriti Stani So with the senses and the mind, the living entity is struggling but thinks that it sees things as they are. And therefore, of course, there is discord. Well, it's obvious to me. Right? You know, when you go to school, they teach you that you can get knowledge through your senses, that they are indeed your friends. Sakaya, Indriya, Gana. Gana is the group of Indriya senses. Sakaya. They are your friends. And Sakyas, so Sakaya, the male friends and Sakyas, the female friends, that your senses are your friends and the engagements of your senses are your friends and that the actions of the mind following the senses will give you real knowledge. They teach us this in school, right? Unless you went to a devotee school and all of the science museums, and the libraries full of books, and the television programs, and the senses and mind will give you real knowledge. And they keep teaching this up to a master's degree level, and suddenly when you get to the PhD classes, they tell you something else. And they say, okay, now, you're in the class called Philosophy of Research. And the first thing we are going to tell you is that you are not perceiving reality. They won't tell you that to you're up in the PhD classes. Until then they say, yes, you are perceiving reality. What you perceive with your senses and your mind is real. And when you get to the higher levels, what do they say? They say it's not real. <coughs> They say you can look at facts with your senses and mind and tell a thousand different stories about those same facts. And they say what they have six problems with empiric knowledge. Another one is that what's obvious to me is not obvious to you. I look at the facts and say, yeah, that's what it means. And you look at them and say, no, no, it means that. Have you experienced this? And you're talking to someone, and you're looking at the same thing. Oh, this is what it says, they say. You say, no, no, it says this. And the third person, no, it says this. This is what it means, and this is what it means. Yesterday I was talking with one devotee, and they were talking about somebody else, and I said, oh, this person we can tell that they're just simply trying to get name and fame and followers. And I said, how do you know? Well, it's obvious. But this obvious is what mirror we're looking in. At what level am I looking in a mirror? I mean, we learn in the Krishna consciousness movement that there's four defects of the conditioned souls. Imperfect senses, making mistakes, being illusioned, and then cheating. Who's the main person we cheat? Ourselves. And we say to ourselves, yes. Everyone has imperfect senses, but mine are a little bit more perfect than everybody else's. (laughs) And everyone else is illusioned, but you know, I'm reading Bhagavad Gita, so I'm not illusioned. (laughs) And everyone else can make mistakes, but you know, I make a mistake maybe once or twice a year. (laughs) And so whatever I know is perfect. And I will freely and fully admit that I am also guilty of these things. So the first step in real knowledge is to say maybe, it could be, it's possible, that these four defects apply to me. That maybe what I'm perceiving is not a window but a mirror and maybe my mirror is dirty maybe my mirror is distorted I find it quite humorous or sad depending on what frame I'm in that we will preach that we're all imperfect this is part of our social culture in the Hare Krishna movement that everybody's supposed to say how fallen they are right? required part of your bhakti, bhakti training, make sure you always say you're fallen. But I don't know if we believe it. Because we say on the one hand, oh, I'm so fallen, I'm just in raya. you know, I'm not a pure devotee, and I really have love for Krishna. And then on the other hand, we say, but I know everything. And everything I perceive is Truth. I perceive things as they are. When I read the Shastra, I read it as it is. And only my understanding is right, and everyone else's understanding is wrong. So last year, I went with my oldest grandson to Tirupati, and it was a morning like this very foggy. And one of the devotees got a driver for us to take us up the mountain to Tirumala. So we left probably about five or six o'clock in the morning and we're driving, it was really foggy, very hard to see. And gradually as the morning wore on, of course the fog dissipates. And at one point we got, we were getting in and out of the car at different places. At one point we get into the car and I realize it's not so foggy outside anymore but it still seems really foggy from in the car. Oh, it must not be outside, it must be inside. So I said to the driver, turn on the defrost to clean the windshield. And he wouldn't do it. And I thought maybe he thought it cost money. I said, please tell him it doesn't cost any money. It's not like the AC. It's just pulling heat from the engine. So please turn it on. He wouldn't do it and I was leaning over the back seat and pressing the button, and then he was turning it off, and then I was turning it on, and he was turning it off, (laughs) and I turned that five times probably, you know. Finally, I said to the translator, tell him to pull over. I said, we are not driving until you turn on the defrost. So finally, he turned it on, and then the windshield cleared. But the back windshield was still foggy, and I saw it had those wires in it for heating, I said, now you have to clean the back windshield. you understanding some of my personality here. And and the driver said, it's broken. I said, I don't believe you. So I got got out of the car because I couldn't see the knob from the back. So I got out and I opened the front door and I found the knob and I turned it on. I said, see, it's working. (laughs) And we cleaned the windshield and then we could see. My dear friends, our fog is inside, (coughs) and if you have fog inside, when you drive you're going to get into an accident, or you're going to go on the wrong road, and you may say there's something wrong with the road, there's nothing wrong with the road, there's something wrong with the windshield, it's covered with fog. We can see reality accurately if our mirror is clean. Why? Because when we look in a clean mirror of buddhi yoga instead of Pramadan vidyan, what will we see? What verse did Prabhupada quote? Anybody remember? Tesam buddhi tam That Krishna reveals, when we look in a clean mirror, then we will see Krishna. And we'll see our real self. And we'll see reality, that everything belongs to Krishna. We'll no longer think it belongs to me in some variety. That's actual intelligence. One may be very intelligent floating around in the muladhara chakra, floating around with the kundalini through the different chakras riding on the serpent in the life airs, But that's not actual intelligence. It's a crazy intelligence. Because within our own heart, there's Krishna. Ishwar In our own heart is Krishna. So if our mirror is clean, we see the absolute truth. Now, how to clean the mirror? Jaita Darpana, Marjana. Of course, with chanting. Param Vijayate Shri Krishna Sankirtana. But in order to chant effectively, one has to have what quality? Humility. Humility. This is in Bhagavad Gita <coughs> 13 812. The beginning of knowledge, real vidyan, the beginning of real buddhi is humility. And what is humility? you know, I don't really know, that's humility. Humility is, I don't really know, I'm not seeing accurately. Not to be so convinced, and so sure. (laughs) One time I was talking with my youngest son about something, I can't remember what it was, and I was very definite, and he looked at me, and he said, Mata, are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. He said, are you 100% sure? (laughs) My son's very smart. So I stopped. (laughs) And I said, "Uh, do you know something? (laughs) Maybe not. So beginning of humility is if I am not pure. If we are pure, how will we know we're Pure. Prabhupada said, you know you're advancing just like you know you're eating. You don't have to ask somebody, am I eating? Did I eat enough? Am I satisfied? Am I nourished? So how do you know you're purified? Prasnatma. You'll be satisfied, you'll be happy. You won't be angry and lusty and greedy and lamenting. Yeah, why didn't this happen? Why didn't I do that? And why did they do that? Or why did I lose that? Oh well, if I get this, if I get that, if I get this, I, none of this. And one will be always happy. Prabhupada says one will enjoy life with a thrill, not just in a moment, but always. If we're not in a thrill of ecstatic bhakti, always, then there's some impurity. So humility starts with, I I look and see, where am I? if I'm not pure then I'm looking in a dirty mirror and I'm seeing things in a distorted way and therefore real knowledge starts with I don't know I'm a fool I'm a cheater it's one of the four defects no everyone else is a cheater I'm honest anyone here prepared to say they're absolutely 100% honest no. so that's the beginning of knowledge and without that one cannot actually get the cleansing of the mirror of the intelligence it's just not possible how are you going to clean something if you don't admit that it's dirty <laughs> will you clean something that you don't admit that it's dirty anybody who will do that the room we're staying in has a completely white floor. But some places, you know, they make a floor with a pattern in it so you can't see the dirt. One time we rented a house like that. The floor had a pattern in it and it looked clean till you swept. So if we're thinking, yeah, my heart is clean, whatever I see is just what it is, then <laughs> you can't clean. Prabhupada says, for those who are satisfied with things as they are, they cannot advance in Krishna consciousness. So if we want to stop being a mad fool, thinking our senses and intelligence are our friend because they help perpetrate our illusions, then the first thing is humility, real humility. I mean, it's good that we say, you know, Prabhu, I'm so fallen. That, that's not a bad thing. It's better than the materialist saying, you know, yes, I am wonderful. <laughs> Although sometimes it's a little inconvenient to me. When my mother first visited the Chicago Temple, which is where I moved in, she asked the temple president, what are your qualifications? And he said, well, I don't have any she would say, none of your leaders are qualified. (laughs) So, you know, sometimes, like Narada Muni told his snake disciple, you know, don't bite, but raise your hood. So sometimes, maybe externally, we shouldn't just say, I'm so tall. But in general, it's a good thing. But even better than that is real honesty with ourselves and with Krishna, that my view of reality is distorted. Now, if my view of reality is distorted, then, you know, I might be wrong about a lot of things. And if I might be wrong about a lot of things, other people might be right about a lot of things. How amazing. So Prabhupada said that when the GBC comes together every year, they should discuss what? Do you know what Prabhupada said they should discuss every year here in Maipur? Yes. How we can have the unity and diversity. Yes how we can have unity in diversity. One devotee wrote a letter to Prabhupada. Prabhupada, there's differences of opinion because of impersonalism. Prabhupada said, no, because of personalism. (laughs) He said, that is the meaning of person, that they're going to have differences of opinion as long as Krishna is the center. As long as there's no disagreement on the Siddhanta. As long as it's not one person saying, you know, God is Lord Shiva. Or we worship the Brahman or something you know, have you ever thought about why it is that the absolute truth is described differently by different persons? You know, even in Brahma's prayers for the creative energy in, Bhagavad, in Bhagavatam 3, nine, he says that Krishna appears in the form in which the devotees worship you. I mean, if we're all going to describe these cartels, we could all describe them pretty much the same way. Correct? But if we're going to describe any one of us, we're going to describe Mahatma Prabhu okay everybody write a description of Mahatma Prabhu it would all be different why? (laughs) because he's a person and we have an individual personal relationship with him so the fact that the absolute truth is described differently even by great devotees you know, Madhya Soda sees Krishna a little differently than Lalita Saki sees Krishna She does. It's because God is a person. There's great evidence that God is a person. If God was a mathematical formula, if God was a chemistry formula, a physics formula, then everybody would always describe God the same. Anyone who'd realize God, they'd all give exactly the same description. Even in the liberated state, there's going to be many, many angles of vision centered around the same siddhanta. So if we really want to advance in Krishna consciousness, keeping with the same siddhanta, we have unity and diversity. And we can examine, am I always trying to establish that my vision and my intelligence is superior to others? I mean, obviously, we can also say, do I see the world as mine for exploiting? Do I see the world as full of friends and enemies? Do I see the world as a place for poetry and reflection? Or do I see the world as meant for Krishna's service? And in Krishna's service, do I allow that maybe my vision of service is not yet perfect? And therefore, do I have respect for the other Vaishnavas? Am I willing to have unity and diversity? Am I willing to hear others and work with others and actually build an international society where Krishna is the center and yet we're all individual persons? Prabhupada says your intelligence dovetailed with Krishna consciousness. you all know what dovetail is? A dovetail is like in a drawer. It comes together like uh, triangles that fit together. And if everyone is dovetailing their intelligence with Krishna, then everyone is seeing clearly, but even then there's going to be unity and diversity. Like Prabhupada said, different political parties will want to serve the country in different ways. But as long as everyone is trying to please Krishna, we are not just wanting to merge into the Brahman where everyone loses their point of view. So, just because in the perversion everyone has a different point of view because of the combination of the modes that they're under, in the reality people have a different point of view because of the combination of the rasa that they're under. There is an ultimate reality. Prabhupada saying we should change our material intelligence to spiritual intelligence. He doesn't say get rid of intelligence, he doesn't say get rid of personality. So first, humility and respect that I don't know everything, <coughs> that I can learn from Guru, I can learn from Shastra, I can learn from the other devotees, and ultimately humility and respect that even those who are purified we're going to have different ways of seeing Krishna, you know, different relationships with Krishna. And as long as everything is following Sadhu, Shastra, Guru, that is okay. That only is okay, that's what Krishna likes. So Natan Goswami, in his commentary on uh, Canto 10, Chapter 13, where all of the cowherd boys and calves appear as Vishnu forms and all the living entities are worshipping, he says that the Lord has unlimited qualities and he has a quality that particularly attracts each jiva. Unlimited qualities, unlimited jivas, and a particular quality attracts a particular jiva and each jiva is unique Krishna is getting a particular rasa from each jiva so this is the result of purified intelligence Krishna is the center and everyone as Prabhupada says has some extraordinary talent and to use that extraordinary talent in Krishna's service is successful life and how wonderful once we all have the same center we can be individual without aggression Going back to what Prabhupada said in Krishna book chapter 20, the description of autumn, we read the first part before, for the materialistic man, worldly affairs become too aggressive, whereas to a person who is in Krishna consciousness, everything appears happily situated. So a person when we have our mirror cleaned by humble chanting, by respectful chanting, actually humble, and actually respectful. Then we'll rejoice in the individual talents of each and every jiva, and our desire will be that each and every jiva can use their talents, their nature, their propensity in his pure form to satisfy Krishna in their own unique way. We will rejoice at the many, many angles of vision of every verse in the Shastra, We will rejoice at the unlimited, ever-expanding variety of God who is a person. And we will no longer think everyone is here for my enjoyment. But we will see how everyone is here for Krishna's enjoyment. We will simply be trying to connect everyone and ourselves with Krishna. So that is our challenge Who is our friend, Sakai Indriyayana? Are they our friends? I mean, better than being a ghost, as the Prophet said. Better to have senses than to be a ghost. But who is really our friend? Surinam Sarvayayana. Only when we make friends with that person then will we see clearly, and only when we see clearly can we make the right decision. Instead of focusing on what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? Should I do this? Should I do that? Why don't we first clean the windshield? Why don't we first clean our heart with real humility and real respect so instead of just traveling on the snake of the kundalini through the chakras and looking in the distorted mirror of a crazy intelligence, we will actually look in the beautiful jeweled mirror of our love for Krishna. So thank you very much. Questions, comments, additions, subtractions, corrections, chastisements? Yes, Prabhu. Sorry I used your name. I hope you don't mind. I like to be glorified. <laughs> <laughs> At
1: least you're honest. I've traveled a lot, so do you, and one of the things we always come up with is what you said we're having difficulty cooperating here. Yes. So you addressed this a little bit. One thing, perhaps you could speak on a little more. It seems cooperation is, in a sense, built into our philosophy, as you're speaking about humility, the natural byproduct. But oftentimes we find it to be the opposite. So could you, even with advanced servitude, sometimes have difficulty cooperating? you know that story of one devotee said I can't cooperate with anyone and I said okay, you can be a GBC. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's
2: terrible.
1: Devotee told me a story that a um, very senior devotee was, his godmothers were trying to help him with, uh, understand something, but he couldn't. And later, one of those devotees was trying to help himself, his mother and said, you know, we tried to help him with this. And his so mother said, oh, he still has that problem. So this is like four years later. So it seems like... <laughs> Some things are pretty well ingrained, but on the other side we can be very renounced, very, very advanced, very attracted to Krishna. Mm. So could you kind of explain that?
0: Okay. So what I think you're saying is that even as we advance in Krishna consciousness, that certain ways of thinking and certain ways of seeing the world may be very ingrained. Is that correct?
2: Yes,
1: which causes which causes us to hear a, a nice. And
0: then I still find difficulty in seeing you as a university. So we have these Upadis. We have these designations. We look in this mirror of the intelligence and we think, I am like this, I am like that. And it may take some time before that goes completely. Uh, That's true. Even at the advanced stages, Vishnu Chakravati Thakur says, like if you have a in Madhurya Kadambani. If you have a camphor pot, even after you've taken all the camphor out, you may still have some smell. So that's not very significant. It's like right now we're studying nectar devotion. And, and once somebody's reached the stage of bhava, whatever impurities are remaining, they're not really disturbing. So first of all, if we see that someone's generally advanced, but they still have this or that thing, uh, it'll go don't take it seriously. Actually, our mood should be to flood our heart with, uh, with Krishna consciousness and with the holy name, chanting with humility and respect, and not so much to worry about you know, what little weeds are still there. They'll naturally be flooded and <coughs> finished by respectful and humble chanting. Right? So that's one thing for ourselves and for others, uh, not to focus on the remaining faults. Actually, Prabhupada said, even the liberated devotees, you can see as having faults. He wrote in one letter, he said, like the gopis, they dress themselves as if they were young children. You could say that was a fault. Or even Krishna, when he sees Radhirani, he starts trying to milk a bull. That was Prabhupada's example. So, you know, Prabhupada said, don't look for some utopia. Like recently we read a, an article by this Bible scholar he said, actually in the Bible, God is not portrayed as perfect because he can be surprised by things, so we can't be all-knowing. So, you know, we have a personal conception of God. He can be perfect and he can be surprised. He can be perfect and he can be afraid of Mother soda. He can be perfect and he can try to milk a bowl. The Gopis can be perfect and they can put their clothes on upside down. So we should not be saying that if you're perfect you're just kind of like (laughs) (laughs) anybody want that? I mean if you want that it's available the Brahma Jodi's there, you know. Is knowing even on the higher platform, even on the highest platform, we individuals, and even on the highest platform, Radharani and Chandravali don't fully agree about how to serve Krishna. They know, they have a different mood. And sometimes they're dancing together with Krishna, and sometimes they're not. So, this is a personal philosophy. Personal philosophy means oh, we're persons. And every other person isn't going to be like me, thank God. (laughs) You know, Krishna likes variety. I give the example all the time that Krishna makes. Who here has seen snow? Anybody who has seen snow? Hardly any of you, so this isn't going to work. But every every snowflake is different. Every grain of sand is different. So one way we can cooperate with each other is realizing that Krishna likes each of us different. He likes that. I shouldn't try to make everybody like me. And the other way we can cooperate is to remember that I don't, unless I'm completely pure, I don't see reality. Remember that. Next time you have a disagreement with somebody, next time someone has a different point of view, you can think about this. And I'm sure it will happen. Maybe it will even happen today. (laughs) And you can think. First of all, we're each person's. Persons means different likes and dislikes, different opinions. I mean, I remember once saying to one devotee, oh, this prasadam is really good. And she said, all prasadam is good. I said, well, gives <laughs> each <laughs> devotee their favorite prep? So, I mean, one, one thing we can see if I'm not getting along with somebody is maybe they're just a very different person. Akura didn't get along with his father-in-law, Prabhupada says in 1st canton. they're both pure devotees. So maybe it's just they're a very different kind of person, but Krishna loves them. Krishna loves them. Krishna likes variety. He likes variety in the snowflakes, which only lasts for a minute in our material, what to speak of in the jivas. And the other thing that we can do when we have difficulty is to say, my vision of reality is not reality. My mirror is dirty, and therefore I'm not seeing things as they are. Let me really hear what this other person has to say. Let me try to understand it from their point of view. I may not agree with them, but let me actually try to understand. Let me not, you know, just try to hammer my point of view on them and defend when they hammer their point of view on me. And sometimes, you know, we have different natures. Sometimes, although, you know, we can all live in the same house, we don't all have to live in the same room. Sometimes I may get along with others by doing a different service. Maybe my problem is I'm not being engaged according to my nature. so many different things. But at least these two things of humility and respect. That Krishna likes all individuals, even if they're very different from me. And that it's not that my point of view is the only valid point of view. Remembering those two things. After you make a practice of remembering those two things, pretty soon they get to be a habit. And when they get to be a habit, not only will you get along better with everybody, but your chanting will be wonderful, because only then, according to Bhaktivedanta and Bajma Rastya, when you enter into steadiness and chanting. Without humility and respect, it's just not possible. Is that all right? Yes, please. Yes. <coughs> you sure? you sure? Just to uh, further comment on what uh, Brahma were was saying about...
3: Uh, about cooperation and uh, how important it is uh, to cooperate. Without cooperation, we don't have any movement. So I mean, one famous uh, statement I should quote about cooper- cooperation is that your love for me will be tested by how much um, we cooperate together. So I mean, within the history of Islam, uh, quite a long history. It, it, this is a problem. It's a bit. It, and in fact, in some areas, becomes a major problem that one devotee cannot cooperate with another devotee. So what was Shula Program's, uh desire on that is that uh, he created an authority structure with which he wanted us to cooperate. So I remember when I first joined the movement, we would see the temple president as... No different from Shiva Brahma. He would get the Maha plate. he would get all Jewry's eggs. But nowadays that seems to have been kind of thrown out the window. Not, it, 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 the same uh,
0: kind of uh, respect. Actually, when I joined the Bhaktis, the Bhaktis would sneak into the Pujari room during japa, and they would eat all the Maha and would tell the president didn't care very much. <laughs> <laughs> but,
3: If you might have known that the the Mara was first offered to uh, the table president. I I ate quite a lot of burpee in about six o'clock. At least you're honest. So, you know, this uh, this, this move of cooperation is actually very, very important because all over the world we see, we we get problems, what is it, united we stand and divided we fall. So cooperation is such an important, powerful factor for the spreading of Christian consciousness, and we've lost so much energy, so much money, so much, uh, so much manpower because of this lack of cooperation. So Shirokobat's uh, formula is actually quite simple: is that even if even if I think I'm right and my authority is wrong, I can make a, uh, I guess, a, a constructive. Uh, 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 <clears throat> polite uh, suggestion as to how I think my authority is wrong. Now, if my authority doesn't accept that, even if I'm right, still I have to with that in a sure purpose.
0: Well, you can also go to a higher authority. Yes. So, you know, if you think your town president, if you're convinced your town president is wrong, then there's a local GBC, then there's the regional GBC, then there's a GBC body, and then you can always just go to Radha yeah. <laughs> You know, one time when I was in Vrindavan, I was complaining to Burjambu about something, and he looked at me and he said, well, you sure this is your service? And I said, I'm not sure. He said, well, if it's your service, you shouldn't do it. And I said, but it's really bothering me. And I've gone to the authorities and haven't done anything about it. He said, "Well, did you talk to Lord Balaram?" I said, "Why Balaram?" Mm-hmm. And he said, "Well, it's not the Radhesham Temple, it's the Krishna Balaram Temple." I said, "Okay, but why Balaram?" He said, "Well, he's the older brother." <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: he's the older brother of the authorities. So I did. I went to Lord, I, I stopped going to anybody else because that had proved fruitless. And I went to Balaram and I said, "Would you please fix this?" Obedience. The prophet says blind following is condemned. We we don't. We're not like some of the Christian monks and nuns that take vows of absolute obedience to our immediate authority within the the uh, structure. But we certainly want to have always respectful and humble dealings. And I, I believe that if our dealings are always respectful and humble, that we can have unity and diversity. We can have disagreements and things can be settled nicely. we got a question here. Ganagamya Prabhu says from a but he's right here in my room right now. And he says, if I think I am humble and I am an illusion, um, if you're really humble, then you'll be very joyful. Because humility means you're seeing the truth. And as soon as you're seeing the truth, then you'll feel very joyful. So if you want to know whether your humility is real or not, see how joyful you are. Another way you can tell whether or not your humility is illusion is how easily and vehemently and often you defend yourself. If someone tells you you're wrong, you know, well, it was just like this, Well, it did not, what about this? You know, that's, that's a good way to see whether or not your humility is illusion. Real humility is very peaceful, very liberating, very joyful. It's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing. It's not a negative, guilty thing, like Ooh. it's not like that. No. Of course the devotee always thinks that they're fallen. They always think, you know, I'm not Krishna conscious enough. They always feel that they're a beginner. At the same time, one should see, uh, you know, are these qualities arising in my heart. I think we can take one more, and that would be it. Yes?
2: Um, is it possible to, uh, all these differences, is it is it a possibility that maybe um, the, the nature will just stick for that whole entire lifetime? You can't change your nature, so the, the differences that you have will just stay for that lifetime, and then maybe in the next life if that's where you're going, then you might get a different nature or...
0: If you go back, okay, yeah, you're, we, our nature we have in this lifetime, Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, pretty much you're stuck with it. So if you're a really quiet back-of-the-room person, you're probably going to be a really quiet back-of-the-room person, and if you're an outgoing front-of-the-room person, you'll probably be an outgoing front-of-the-room person. So if you're a, a risk-taking person, you're going to be a risk-taking person. If you're a cautious person, you're going to be a cautious person you know, so many people have studied this, and Krishna, of course, has studied it, and he told Arjuna, you have your nature, and what will repression accomplish? Yes? Krishna say that? Does anybody know anywhere in the Shastra where it says surrender means pretending to be somebody else's nature? No. Okay, that's good. So so what does surrender mean? What does Krishna tell Arjuna? It tells it in the third chapter and again in the eighteenth chapter. And good teachers repeat the important points. And good teachers say the important points at the end, because most people only remember what happens at the end. So Krishna repeats in the eighteenth chapter. He summarizes Bhagavad Gita and he repeats this point. He says, You have your nature, and what are your choices? What, what, what are your choices? Yeah, it's only for this life. In another life, we'll have another nature. We have an eternal nature. That's something else. But whatever nature we have this life, what are our choices? Use it for Krishna or for
2: ourselves. That's it.
0: You can use it for Krishna or Maya. Those are your choices. You can use your nature in the mode of ignorance. You can use your nature in the mode of passion. You can use your nature in the mode of goodness. You can use your nature for Krishna. You cannot not use your nature. At least Krishna says you can. And I believe him. It's like it's like you have a hair color, and if you dye it, the roots show. You know, so our natures are not good or bad. Each of us has a nature that has good points and bad points about it. It has strengths and weaknesses. Whatever it is, 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 is really not very important. It's like the body that we have. We have a particular body in this life, and that's not going to change. Again, you can get surgery, but you know that's very artificial. Whatever body you have in this life it has things about it that are that are good and things that are bad. There's something about our body and something about our mentality that's useful in Krishna service and some things that are not useful for Krishna service. Is that correct? Does anyone here have a body that is totally one hundred percent favourable for Krishna service? <laughs> oh, what a shame. Does anyone here have a psychology that's totally one hundred percent useful for Krishna service? Another shame. So, Krishna said that, didn't he? He said that every endeavor has some fault, like smoke is covering fire. Whatever nature you have has some fault. Don't try for someone else's nature, which just has a different set of faults. What a waste of energy. Whatever nature you have, yes, you're stuck with that for this life. Spiritualize it. When you use it for Krishna, then there's no more faults. If you're a really risk-taking person in the mode of ignorance, then maybe you'll take drugs or you'll commit crimes. If you're a risk-taking person in the mode of passion, then maybe you'll have risky investments so you can get a lot of money for charity and name and fame. If you're a risk-taker in the mode of goodness, maybe you'll go to a war zone to give medical care. If you're a risk-taker for Krishna, you'll go preach in Saudi Arabia. But you don't stop being a risk-taker. But if you're a risk-taker, don't run the treasury, (laughs) please. So each of us has a nature, and in the right place it's a strength, and in the wrong place it's a weakness. Know what kind of nature you have in this life. Who cares? It's not you anyway. It just isn't important. We have this life for eight billionths of a second of Lord Brahma. Who cares?
2: Yes? But what I'm getting at is maybe it's, it happens to be a lot of people's nature to not cooperate.
0: No, that's not your nature. What? Right. No, right. you, you don't have an intrinsically non-cooperative nature. Nobody has an intrinsically non-cooperative nature. Now, some people have a more leader nature, and some people have a more follower nature. But leaders can also be cooperative people. It's not that just because you have a leader nature or you have an opinionated nature that you can't also be respectful and humble and cooperative. Everybody can be respectful and humble and cooperative in their own nature, no, none of us have a nature that's intrinsically opposed 100% to Krishna consciousness. You know, even our material nature, They're also Krishna's energy. Our mind intelligence is also Krishna's energy. And what, however our nature is, we can use it in Krishna's service. You know, if you have an argumentative nature, go argue with the Darwinists. Rabbi said, a lion in the chase and a lamb at home. You know, if you want to be a fighter, you can fight. But just don't fight with the other devotees, with slokas. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you're really exalt and Go be a Don't try to be a, you know, don't beat up your family members. So there, there's many as many opportunities to be a great fighter for Krishna, aren't there? Yeah. Don't be angry with the devotees. Don't be angry at the slaughterhouses. So if you have a combative nature, oh, one more question. Okay, I was going to stop. If you have a combative nature, oh my God, Krishna It had nothing to do with the class. This is a political question without any relationship with the class. Therefore, with all due respects, I'm not going to answer. So it's you know if, if you if you have like that, I'll t- read it so you can tell me if I should answer or not. How's that? Is it very important for a temple president to attend Mongol Archie in the temple? Because because our because t- <laughs> our temple president is sleeping at that time. What is your problem? <laughs> I'm very sorry, I don't use the Vyasa Sun as a forum for comments on political agendas that have no relationship to the person okay. purport. I want to thank you all very much. It's lovely to be here and admire all for this.